Four minutes after 11 o'clock, somebody says to me, Aubrey, it's just a pipe dream, bro. That kind of leadership is, uh, is not going to happen. Why? Why? I believe that the people are there. Yeah? They've got the, the privilege and the luxury of our attention. They are charismatic individuals. I think that if, if I don't know, if, if somebody from the DA, somebody from the ANC, somebody from, uh, from one of the other parties, EFF, for example, yeah, the big three, if one of their prominent or, or yeah one of their prom- prominent leaders gave another leader from another party uh, from another prominent leader and say listen let's change the script let's just let's just do something different let's not blame each other let's not do the normal nonsense let's really let's take this opportunity to to give some real leadership i'm telling you now i think we i think i think it i think we wouldn't believe it yeah I think it's still possible. Yeah, you know. What is my friend JJ Tawari? He says he's a prisoner of hope. Yeah. Tell you now, I'm incarcerated thoroughly by that thing, hope. O double one eight eight three O seven O two. Looking forward to your calls in this hour as I speak to Kelvin Matlo. He's an advisor at Frontline Africa Advisory. We're going to be talking about an article he wrote about four weeks ago. Uh, entitled Loyalty to Factions Versus the State and Blurring of the Lines. And uh, you and I have been having this conversation for years now. And as I said just before I went uh, to news, that I'm reminded of one Jacob Gezegizazuma who really struggled with, uh, I suppose, the difference, the lines between the party and the state. At some point, he, he publicly said it. He said that for him, the ANC is more important than the state. And you would have heard guys like Ace Mahashule, I think, over the weekend somewhere where he was giving a speech in his campaign trail, uh, said that uh, we're not looking for people that are going to be bound by their conscience here. We're not, we're not looking for people that are going to vote according to their conscience. We're looking for people that are going to vote according to the policies of the ANC. And I wonder whether we are, as South Africans are going to have a conversation one day about if the political party that you are aligned with does not enjoy the benefit of your conscience, then why? Why are you there? We'll talk about that. And maybe I'm a little bit idealistic about these things, but there it is. So we're going to be talking in a few moments time to Calvin Mutlow. He's here with me in studio. I'd love for you to be part of the conversation. The numbers to dial there, 11 and of course, on Twitter uh, at 702 Aubrey. I'm also available in uh, for the people of the Western Cape. The number there is 021-446-0567 as we speak to Kelvin Mutlow. Please be part of this conversation. Call in now your thoughts, your perspective on how should we separate in our minds, yeah? And therefore, in practicality, the uh, the difference between state and the political political party that you so love, yeah, because yeah, hey, folks in this country love their polit- political parties. Hey, hey, they love them. Boggles my mind. It's eight minutes after eleven o'clock. When I come back, we speak to Calvin. Seven o two. Call late night talk on o double one double eight three o seven o two. All right, um, uh, Calvin Matlo joins me now. He's here with me in studio. Calvin, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for standing as well. <laughs> Pleasure. I'll tell you why I stand. I'll tell yeah. you why I stand. I'm, you know, I'm vertically challenged, so I'm a, I'm a short guy. So you know, when I sit on yeah. these chairs, I just feel like I'm. So I might as well stand. And me being the very passionate speaker that I am, I like to stand and uh, genuflect and run up and down, climb on the table sometimes. It just makes the whole thing very interesting. So thank you very much for standing with me. Kelvin is standing with me, folks. (laughs) He's decided to stand. Uh, Most of the time, my um, guests like to sit down. So, Kelvin, you're an advisor at Frontline Africa Advisory. Tell me me about the uh, Frontline uh, Advisory. What's what's that all about? Well, we are a public policy and regulatory affairs company so mostly we advise company on 
government regulation and government policy and we try create a conversation between business and government so that they find each other because we hear most of the time business saying well we are the ones who are supposed to create all these jobs but yeah. government is not listening to us and government say we have to take care of 56 million people so we have to create policies that are looking after these people you as a company are looking after your narrow interest but then we try to facilitate that conversation to make sure that these two parties come together to have a conversation that's mutually beneficial to 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 all the parties concerned i i i would attest to that yes. that i truly believe that government and the private sector aren't talking to each other <laughs> they absolutely they don't understand each other yeah. they absolutely don't uh, 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 talk to each other i'll tell you where i find a manifestation of that disconnect mm. particularly with the curricula of higher education um uh, institutions what what the private sector needs yeah, in terms of skills, in terms of know-how, in terms of just sensitivity to the commercial world, our, our public educational, academic, and even vocational training institutions seem not to be providing. They seem to be teaching over and over and over again. People are passing tests that have as curricula, as subject matter, as, as content, obsolete stuff. Stuff that doesn't really mean anything in the real world anymore. And I sometimes ask myself, where and when do these people get a chance to talk to each other? Who bridges the gap between at least government, the commercial world, you know, commerce, and, and of course our academic uh, uh, sectors? Do you guys perhaps speak to the universities and tell them, guys, you can't be teaching that stuff anymore. It belongs to the 20th, 20th century. Well, if they invite us, we, we will tell them. But what we mostly try to do is to get business in the initial stages of a policymaking process. Because mostly what we see is that government calls government, calls business at the end to say, this is what we're going to do. So what do you say about it? But if you bring them in the initial stage, they will be able to tell you that we as business, this is what we require. So whatever policy you're going to come up with has to serve the needs of this so that we can then play our part in growing the economy. I, I know that I digress and we're still yeah. going to talk about your article because yes. I think that's really the, the, the real reason why you are here. But I, I'm, I'm loving the conversation. Yes. I, mean, I was speaking to a friend of mine from the United States, c comes from the Silicon Valley. And he was saying, Orbs, I'm, 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 I'm flabbergasted by the fact that you guys are still so fixated on the fourth industrial revolution <laughs> the rest of the world is in the eighth industrial revolution you guys are still messing around with the fourth industrial revolution what's going on you know uh, and i wonder whether organizations like yours are waking i mean okay i suppose these days you know if you if you haven't said uh, fourth industrial revolution in a sentence when you're talking it sounds like you don't know what you're talking about exactly. but the reality is that the progressive countries in the world have long left the fourth industrial revolution. Folks are messing around with the twelfth industrial yeah. revolution. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 for for companies, obviously they'll adopt those technologies that will make their life easy. So it it goes without saying that this fourth industrial revolution, you don't have to punt it. They will adopt it if it's good for their business. So so they for, don't care, they don't care whether you understand what you're talking about. Exactly. If if it's going to yeah. benefit them, they'll talk your language, exactly. even if that language is ob obsolete. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's just me and you, bro. It's okay. You can talk to me. I mean, even if that language is completely obsolete, I, I'm I'm of the opinion, Kelvin, that yeah. that everybody in South Africa is really out to make a buck, and there's nothing wrong. Yeah. Nothing wrong with all of us trying to make them back. We all got to mm -hmm. put food on the table. We all got bills, right? Of course. But I, I find that the South African conversation is, is somewhat dishonest. And I'm not really sure whether it's dishonest by design, by default, or w w why. I mean, for example, in the previous hour, we were talking about... Um, we we're talking about the whole Alexander Alexandra situation, yes, and how people are. They just can't understand why why those people did. <laughs> Come on, guys, right? We we all know why 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 are we messing around? Do you think that? Do you think that you guys, as advisory groups, yes, 
are helping companies in the commercial world really understand the dynamics, the realities of the policies of government and how those policies, which often are theoretically sound, yeah, how they can make those policies practically sound. Is that conversation there? Do you have those those uncomfortable, unpopular conversations that suggest that, you know what, if you're really going to achieve that particular goal, you can't do it with so many people working for you. Uh, you know, I mean, do you have those kinds of conversations? Y- yes, we do. But on the other hand, private business have to play their part. Yeah. We know the troubles that we face as a country, inequality, poverty, unemployment. Everyone has to play their part. Yeah. We have 56 million people government can't feed them all. Yeah. So as private business, they have to play their part. So as much as they look after their interests, but they have to look at the interest of the country as a whole. Yeah. So that's where we try I'm to... I'm going to suggest to the, the government feeds nobody. <laughs> but, 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 but hey, hey, hey. hey. <laughs> that's not why we're here. Let's, yes, let's, yes, let's, no, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about, let's talk yes. about why you, you are here. You yes. wrote a, an, 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 a column last week, uh, not well, four weeks ago, yes. uh, for News 24, and you entitled, entitled it Loyalty to Factions versus the State, a Blurring of the Lines. Uh, and, and I dare say that your, your article was not new in, in the sense of what it was talking about, but it was new in the angle that it was taking. And uh, really, it's a conversation about how it is detrimental for us as South Africans, as as party officials, as uh, members and supporters of different political parties, and maybe more so uh, the leaders of political parties to understand the constitutional demand for the separation of the two. The separation of your loyalty to your political party versus the loyalty to the constitution and and yes. thereby the state talk to us through talk through talk us through what you were trying to say okay firstly uh, the part you mentioned about political leaders senior officials them not fully understanding that when they're in government then their role is different to when they're in the political party For, and then secondly i was looking at the officials down down the ranks yeah where they tend to then play this political game as well yeah well because politicians they come and go today you are a minister tomorrow you are reshuffled yes but you as an official yes you have to then stay loyal to the mandate yes that is in decreasing inequality, yes. unemployment, yes. and poverty. The constitutional mandate. The constitutional mandate. Yeah. Yeah. So then if you are going to then play politics and then your loyalty is towards politicians, then when they leave, then you are left in limbo then to say, okay, I've been saving this person, then what now? Yes. And also for, for, for politicians as well, for them, when they stand in front of the judge yes. to say that I pledge to serve and protect the constitution. Do they really understand what they are saying? Because you may be voted for by 11, peop- 11 million people, but once you take that oath, then you are accountable to 56 million people. Yeah. No longer that 11 million that voted for you. An interesting thing happened a few weeks ago where Sanrel a week earlier had been threatening those of us who have not been paying our um, e-toll bills mm. to say that they're coming after us, subpoenas, uh, summonses, mm. and all of us were really shaking our boots. And then I suppose some politician somewhere rang the electoral, the election nearing bell yeah. and said, hey, you <laughs> might lose us some votes, so stop it. And then Sandrell backtracked on that. Yes. And then Minister of Finance, Titomboweni, stood up and publicly said, no, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. While I, as a Gautenga who is aggrieved by the whole Etoll thing, and I think that it was badly dealt with, the consultation process was wrong. I think that there are other means by which we can pay for the infrastructure. And I truly believe in the user pay principle. I just don't believe in the Etoll system. Yeah. I I liked 
Didumboweni starts because he was serving his constitutional mandate as opposed to perhaps playing to the gallery, as it were, to say, yes, it holds a bad. Talk to me about that scenario. Is that what you're talking about? Partly, partly. Uh, to add on that, you saw the ANC in how they marching to to the union business. Sorry. Sorry, 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 my comrades. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah, ah, yeah, so. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, we, we, we have seen where the ANC as the ruling party, they would take stock and really take pride in the good things that government does, but the bad things then they will disown and say, okay, that's a government issue. Yes. It's not really a ruling party issue. Yes. Well, uh, a scenario like that for Titumbo, when he understands, I would say he understands his mandate as treasury minister. He has to look after the purse and he has to look after the interest of 56 million people, as I said. So... Even, even, even if what he said was was, was patently patently unpopular, I mean, exactly. uh, I thought to myself, this guy, uh, you know, <laughs> should organize something. But the thing the thing is that what he was doing was, was in my opinion, a very principled stance to say, yeah. guys, understand that when we don't pay our bills, that affects our our balance sheet, that affects our credit worthiness in the rest of the world. And quite frankly, we can't have people um, giving one message and then retracting it and giving another message and without telling the Ministry of Finance. So uh, from a constitutional mandate point of view, I understood what he was doing, albeit what he was doing for me personally was not very popular, but I understood what he was doing. So a lot of people are going to come to you, Calvin, and say, yeah, sure, you're saying that politicians don't understand their constitutional uh, mandate versus yeah. their loyalty to their political parties. I, I'm going to argue not. I think they understand it. They just ignore it. Comment. Not all of them understand it. Yeah. And not all of them ignore it. Yeah. The, the case you just pointed out of Titumboin. But but I, I think the issue of the dynamics of the ruling party, how it, it is, where you have different factions. And when this politician or this president comes in, then he takes along the people that he thinks that are loyal to him. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, you got to stay with your, yeah. with your mic. Yeah. So, so the then, about then you up. have a scenario where people are sort of, you'll say they are singing for their supper, where what they say does not really have to make the the person who put them there uh, annoyed or anything. But in the case of Tito Mbowin, he's he has said it so many times that he's comfortable in the private sector. He was reluctant in coming back to government. So in that way, he's able to assert his independence and he understands his mandate. So in that way, he's not overly reliant on his government salary. Yeah. So in that sense, he's able to speak to his mandate and stick to his mandate to say that this is what I was brought here to do and this is what I'm going to do. Uh, as for other ministers, uh, they get their career politicians. Yeah. For them, I mean, it's all about maintaining that career, that uh, salary, that parliamentary salary and that cabinet salary so Kara, what's that lady who looks after the department of labor the minister something olifan Muli, yeah no he not so after after the elections you you'll see a scenario where people who were supporting uh, I, I mean, I mean if, 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 if she was yeah. if she wasn't a comedy do, do you think she'd get that job she'd get a job like that anywhere else I, I doubt. O double one eight eight three oh seven. I didn't. I didn't say Kelvin <laughs> said. O double one eight eight three oh seven oh two oh two one double four six oh five six seven. I worry about the idea that suggests that they don't understand their constitutional mandate, because I think that they do. I think that most of these guys are very, very intelligent guys and girls, very intelligent individuals yes. 
who have been able to make it through the political ranks, make it uh, to the higher positions in the political ranks, they can't be dumb. These often are people that are freedom fighters. These are people that are activists uh, at a certain level. And secondly, I worry about, about letting them off the hook by saying that they are intellectually challenged. They're not. No, they're not. So I'm, 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 I'm putting it back to you again, Kelvin, yes. and saying that these people are just plain, criminally-minded people who flout and ignore their constitutional mandate. Perhaps it's a sense of entitlement from ah, their side. Okay. To say, we've had this, convers- this argument before that we fought for this freedom. Therefore, we are entitled to benefit from it. We did not join the struggle to be poor, yeah. those sort of things. And from freedom fighters, they came in, they had no money, they had no resources. Where, where will they get the money except for the government, except for the state? So once you are in the state, that's where you can then sort of disperse of the patronage where you can then keep people on your, on your side by then giving them favors or giving them access to to government contracts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So for they they are not ignorant. Uh and and they're not intellectually challenged. I, I, I think there's a sense of entitlement from their side to so, say that. So when we, we speak, let, 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 freedom, let's yes. let's let's zoom in on on that in, entitlement and uh, give mm-hmm. us a call. Why do you think? Give us you give us a call on o double one eight eight three o seven o two o two one double four six o five six seven. Let's let's go into the granular detail as to why people will be caught up in the sins of incumbency, right? by completely ignoring their constitutional mandate to the 56 million South Africans and rather um, act for what they believe is the party political line. What is it that, that contorts the mind of an individual who holds a particular position in parliament, uh, in a particular government department in an SOE what is it in your opinion let's let's go deep what is it in your opinion that makes somebody flout their constitutional mandate yeah i i'm i'm strongly of the opinion that it's, it's not because these people don't understand it even jacob gedlesi a lot of people have 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 caricatured the man they've they've sort of made a joke out of the fact that he's not formally educated and that sort of thing to suggest that he didn't understand the separation between his constitutional mandate as the president of the Republic of South Africa um, versus his uh, his party uh, mandate as president of the ANC. And people were saying that, no, he's, he's, he's just not educated, so he doesn't understand that. No, I think he understood it very well. I think he understood it very well. If he was able to preside over a network of of state capture in the way that he was, he obviously understood it, yeah? So what is it that makes a leader at whatever level of government make the decision that they are not going to do what the constitution demands, yeah? What the law demands, yeah? Because maybe sometimes you talk about the Constitution and it, 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 oh, that's an aspirational document. Okay, what the law demands. What makes them decide to do that? Because many of them have made that very clear and tacit decision to say, I'm not going to do what the law demands. I'm going to do what comrade chairperson says I must do. I would say to you, lack of consequences. A comrade messes up somewhere else, they get deployed. We haven't seen, we know many of them have committed crimes, have committed fraud, all these crimes. Yeah. But how there many of them no are in jail? Yeah, there's no... There is a lack of consequence. And once there is an understanding that once you mess up in government, we then send you on a posting will you go be an ambassador somewhere else so that we keep you off the, the public eye for for a while. Yeah. And then you can come back late. Yeah, Okulo Yeah, Okulo yeah. And then... 
let's see let, the commissions of inquiry they've revealed quite a lot they've implicated a lot of people will they end up in jail we'll, and, we'll, we'll and by the way there's nothing stopping the uh, the prosecutorial authorities from from charging anybody of even course. while the zondo commission is going on nothing stopping them from doing nothing so because i know they're going to say no 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 there's still the zondo commission taking place but nothing is stopping them from charging those people given the overwhelming um, evidence that's that's there so you saying to me that the reason for the impunity is a lack of accountability a lack of consequences yes. for the malfeasance the corruption that we've seen seen which then if I understand what you're saying, the logical conclusion of what you're saying is that it crystallizes the, co- the corruption. Because then comrades and even those that perhaps weren't comrades see that the network of corruption actually works. Of course. Hence, you, you see even officials, officials, mere officials, then also getting into this game because for them they see the senior officials doing it so they can also do it and i don't think there's a lot of government officials or officials who have seen the a, a, a jail cell because of issues of corruptions of tender rigging you you'll get suspended with pay you'll go cool off and then later you'll come back so there's this whole this culture that once you're in government, then you will not see jail. The most that can happen to you is then you'll get fired. You'll get threatened with an investigation. Yes. Somebody and suspended with you. Yeah. Hey, we'll investigate you. Hey, we'll, we'll investigate you. And nothing actually ever happens. Yes, because if the letter of the law were to be applied, then a lot of them would then be in trouble. Why, why is it that there is no appetite by our legal system, our our uh, ju- judicial system. Maybe somebody might argue that no, the judicial system is 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 strong and it works. Yeah. But our, our prosecutorial system, our police, our intelligence services. What what is the fundamental reason for their tardiness? For their for their inability to to step in and do what they're supposed to do. I mean, I, I would imagine that after the the revelations by Angelo Agrizzi, yes. yeah, that a few of our leaders would have had a couple of black cars stop outside their houses to say, ah, I come. It was, it was, it was. It was. Yeah. Nothing happened. So what is it that makes our our law enforcement agencies, including our prosecutorial agencies, so tardy, so impotent, given the fact that they've got the law on their side? I, I don't think they are tardy, but I, I, I think they too... They've been hollowed out? They've been hollowed out. Competent officials are then put aside and cadres are then put in cadres who are loyal to certain factions and then these institutions are then used for, for political games. For instance, if I feel like, okay, you are a, a pain up my backside, then I will unleash yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then the institutions on you, which is what most people think happened under the, the leadership of Jacob Zuma, where these institutions were used for political gains, for but, dealing but, but with I mean, opponents. It's still happening. It's still it, happening. It's, it's still it, happening. It, it, it has can, been happening. I can, I can show yeah. you so many, and it's not just within the ANC. Um, in different political parties, I mean, there's a story at the moment in George of a uh, of the son of a DA leader having um, benefited from the interest of money that was. Uh, put into some sort of fund. Uh, it's a well-known thing. In fact, it's a thing that was raised very recently by Patricia DeLille of the Good Party, and mm. I don't know whether it's her trying to get back at the DA for, for what's her name. Uh, the whole VBS saga with uh, with um, the issue of uh, Floyd's brother and, and all of the other people that were named in the Tau report. Yes. Nothing's happened. Julius Malema takes a, 
automatic rifle shoots it in mid in 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 the midst of 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 thousands of people in public we can see the the individual that gave him the gun we know that it's a real gun even though certain people have denied it nothing's happened uh lamini the the mp slaps a police officer in parliament hey i can still hear the clap yeah Yeah, now (laughs) yeah pow i'm now i can hear it now now nothing happens so it's not just a matter of the ANC uh, is suffering from a lack of consequence management. It just looks like it's the it's the general it's the general state of affairs. I mean, I, I, surely, surely there is an identifiable reason why there is, you know, guitar, brah. Yeah. You know, guitar has got strings. In order for us to get the sound, those strings have got to be taut. They've got to be tight. Yeah. Our system feels to me like our strings are completely loose. They make no sound. They, you understand what I'm trying to say? Perhaps the appetite to, to deal with those high-profile people isn't there because you know then the water will get muddied. So most of the time they will go for the small guy. Yeah. It's easy to deal with the small guy. The big guy, then the fight gets ugly. It becomes political. Then you then have to then deal with issues. As, 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 a, as, a, as an official, yeah. As an official and also as an institution where your credibility gets, gets questioned and it affects morale because then you have all the people attacking you from all the sides. Yeah. I, I guess the appetite isn't there to deal with this. I was, I, was, I was speaking to somebody who's a friend of this show, who's a regular contributor on this show, uh, Bratemba from, mm. from uh, uh, Joburg South, who is himself a whistleblower and who was telling of the harrowing story of being mm. a, a whistleblower in this country. He ended off his conversation with me by saying, listen, if I could advise anybody who is a whistleblower out there, I'd say just keep your story to yourself <laughs> and just move on uh, because you're going to, you're going to land in trouble uh, if you try to become a whistleblower. We're talking about the the difference, the reason why certain leaders seem not to understand the difference between their constitutional mandate and their political mandate. Give us a call. 11 Kelvin Matlu is my guest. He's an advisor at Frontline Africa Advisory. And uh, he wrote this article, Loyalty to Factions Versus the State, a blurring of the lines. I'm looking to find out from you, um, Kelvin, because some people are going to say, listen, I don't eat the Constitution, Papa. Uh, We want to have conversations here about uh, uh, the chicken in the pot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And uh, the politics of the stomach. Uh, Constitution does not feed my children, doesn't pay my bills. So let's talk a little bit about that. But uh, let's take a few calls. 011-883-0702 or 021-446-0567. When I come back, I take your calls. Late Night Talk with Aubrey Masango. Call now on 011-883-0702. Kelvin Matlo, uh, advisor at Frontline Africa Advisory, is my guest. We're talking about an article that he wrote uh, in uh, News 24 uh, entitled... Loyalty to factions versus the state, a blurring of the lines and some very interesting stuff coming out on the WhatsApp line, Kelvin. So Paul Kochki says, um, hi, Orbs, I submit that it's quite simple. It's the accumulation of individual low integrity in people, creating a culture of corruption, incompetence and decay. It takes leaders with ideas, yeah, imagination, a sense of abstraction and an appeal for something greater than the self. Those seem not to be present here in South Africa. And I want to talk about that. And I I know it sounds very philosophical and maybe even metaphysical. But is it perhaps because people have a very, very overly practical approach to life? That there is no sense of abstraction. There is no sense of this is wrong. Not that it is wrong because I will get caught and go to jail but that it is just wrong. Let's not do it because it is wrong at a very abstract level. Is there an existence of that level of ethical 
um, and moral rectitude in our consciousness as South Africans? Paul seems to suggest that it is sorely lacking. As South Africans, yes, we do have a sense of morality and integrity and consciousness. But when it comes to some of our leaders, I guess the the saying of, well, if he did it and nothing happened to him, then I can also de- do it. An abstraction doesn't feed my kids. Huh? Yes, exactly. So until we see some action, until we see consequence for some of the people who commit the crimes, then it will continue, unfortunately. But, but, but that feeds into the idea that people are not driven by an abstract connection to morality and ethics. It is because of the fear of consequences that they'd be doing the right thing. I'm yes. going back to my question. Do we have a guiding morality that is beyond the fear of retribution? Unfortunately not. Let's take a call. Moshere is in Pretoria. Hi, Moshere. Yes, Obrin, your guest. Obrin, I really don't agree with what you are just saying. The, the issue of that the politicians who are leading us, they, they don't understand what is their responsibility. I, I, I will not agree with that, because we do have such essays. We do have the South African in reserve bank. We, we do have some in, 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 in finance minister. Well, that SA will give us the figures to indicate what is our shortfall, what is it that we're supposed to be delivering to the people, who, how many people are there to be delivering the services. They know that well, the problem is ask the masses, because normally when this politician addresses, the practical example of Ramaphosa talking about million houses, the, the, the question that people fail to ask is where is the space that you promise him to go and build houses? <laughs> where are you going to get the money to build those the houses that we are promising? Because in South African revenue, they're telling us that we, they, there is a shortfall of some billions that we you know to keep going to, 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 to get. But where is the money going to come from? And also with some of the presenters, one thing has to believe that when we're going to the, to the polls, we're going to be in, in voting for Ramaphosa or, or, or Ismail That is not the case. Our electoral system is not allowing us to do this. We're voting for a political party. If we go into the polls, we vote in Ismail We vote in ANC. We vote Ramaphosa. We vote in ANC. Whatever that comes thereafter, it's a vision of ANC. If Ramaphosa or Mahajula is going to fail to implement the ANC policies, ANC, they do have that power to, to recall it. We, we don't have powers with these people that we are electing. And if those who are in the media or those who have powers to educate us, the masses, they fail into do that, they also fall into the faction threats. Or then we're going to continue to have these problems where... People are just coming and lying to us, then they go, tomorrow we fail to hold them accountable. Because why? Those who are supposed to be asking them tough questions, they, they, they pretend, they're protecting them. Remember, when Zuma was supposed to, to become a Christian, a number of people were in support of Zuma. Today, the very same people, they're criticizing him as if they were not the ones who were endorsing him. I'm yeah. telling you, it will be the same with Ramaphos. The very same people who are protecting him, thinking that he's an angel, they will be the one who distances themselves from what Ramaphosa will be doing. Until such time as members of the community, we understand what is our responsibility. Aubrey, we're going to fall into these traps of this political Sherry in Pretoria, thanks very much for your call. Neo is in Randburg. Hi, Neo. Bravo, hey, sure, man. Go for it, uh, Neo. Okay, so, 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 so here, here's my take on it, Ops, right? Yeah. Is that uh, whether leaders or government, they are just a microcosm of our society, yeah. right? They all come from society. They all bred, bred the same way like all of us. And, you know, the hard fact is that all of us as a society, well, not all of us, most yeah. of us in society, we don't take rules seriously. We don't take laws seriously. Whether it's paying our bills or driving above 120 kilometers per hour or driving a traffic officer, yeah. or even the way we protest in terms of fit must fall, Right. But essentially, we, I understand that we need to hold them to a higher standard. But what, what, what basically is happening here is they're representing where the society is at. They're an accurate representation of who we are, yeah. right? 
and, and, and that is where my issue is. And on the issue around, and, and, and one of the things as society that drives us is incentives, right? I know that in my work, if I work hard enough, I'll probably be promoted and be a CEO, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Tell me, if you're a prostitute and you work hard and you convict a whole lot of people, what's going to happen to you? There's no incentive for that. If you're, a, if, you're a, if you're a police officer and you're doing a hell of a good job, there's nothing in it for you. Now, um, we can say, look, the, the mere fact that you're actually doing your work well should actually be reward enough. But as a society, you want more. Like in the state, for instance, if we, for instance, give bonuses to police based on the number of cases they closed, that's a separate issue, right? Yes. If, we, if, we, if we rewarded prosecutors bonuses based on the number of convictions that they did, that's a different issue, right? Mm-hmm. Corruption in the state, for instance, has been was so huge. They, I mean, they, it's still huge, right? Yeah. But if you look at the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act of 1977 in the state, yeah. it's precisely this issue that the corruption has become so endemic that you actually needed a piece of legislation and a prosecutorial process that solely focuses on that. And prosecutors being rewarded on the basis of conviction yeah. and not just the fact that they're getting the salaries. Take the Dodd-Frank um, Act, for instance, of, 19, of 2010, right, in the U.S., where, it, where basically if I am a whistleblower, the, take this on the commission, if I'm a whistleblower and I can prove that Aubrey stole 100 million rands, yes. I get 15% of that. That's yes. what the Dodd-Frank Act Now, you raise some very, very important issues and you talk about the incentivization of people to do good. Uh, the career prospects that then exist as a result of your hard work and so forth. But then you raise a very, then you raise a very, very important issue here that people don't do good because it's good. They do something that's good yeah. because, well, they get something out of it. Now, my question is, when, when, when we, when we say people must hold the constitution uh, because it, it's expresses the way that we should be morally in a secular state such as ours it sort of it sort of encapsulates and articulates the values of our society it still seems to be talking to us as a populace from the position that we are fundamentally good not because we are incentivized to be good now my question to you is are you saying to me that we don't have a an abstract connection to goodness? It is only based on what incentive is there for us? Yes, I'm saying we do not have an abstract or, 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 or philosophical idea yes. or, or conviction of goodness. I'm saying the reason why I drive 100 kilometers per hour is because if I drive 160, there's going to be punishment. It's not because I actually want to drive 100 kilometers per hour. Very I'm interesting. Very giving, interesting. We're giving human beings more credit. We're giving ourselves, myself included, more credit than we deserve. The reality of the matter is that we're all seeking what's in our best interest and what's in our best, you know, and we avoid the punishment that comes with it. So there's an ideal and there's a reality. And somewhere in between, that's where we live. I'm saying I'm happy to give prosecutors uh, bonuses yeah. um, on conviction. I'm happy to pay the police bonuses based on the number of case closed. But so, 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 so should we, f- from your point of view now, should we, as part of our constitution and constitutional mandate, start thinking about how do we incentivize people if that is the fundamental nature of us as South Africans, as people? Should our constitution have embedded within it a, a I don't know, a... a, 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 a uh, I, I don't know, a, a commission structure of sorts. <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, my parting comment are this, because I yeah. don't have a on the line. My parting comment are this, right? Yeah. If you look at all, if you look at countries that have made a bend on corruption, yeah. right, they've all gone that route. Take, 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 take Singapore, right? The reason why Singapore, uh, you know, moved from third generation to first generation, you know, well, third world to first world in yeah. one generation, yeah. it's because there were incentives and there were punishment, right? The reason why I, I'm, 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 making, I'm making examples of all these acts, foreign, practice, foreign corrupt practices act and about Frank Wall, and I can go on, is because both countries have realized that human beings by themselves need a <laughs> 
Very, very, very powerful call. Now, I'm going to stop you there. Thanks very much for your call. I'm going to take one more call. But what do you make of that? I mean, uh, that is so powerful. I mean, you started off by the fact by saying that we have a lack of consequence management. There are no uh, there's no sense of accountability for wrongdoing. And uh, I suppose that's exactly what Neo is saying, that there is no incentive for doing right. And uh, perhaps we are a little bit too idealistic about how we approach the Constitution. And that's why political parties become a haven for a more practical expression of the human spirit as it truly appears. Yeah? Yes. I agree with Neo that you have to offer incentives for people to do good. Yeah. For a religious person, the incentive is, is a good, <laughs> yeah, a good afterlife, and we've seen from iPad, from the Hawks previously that doing good has led to them being victimized or disbanded. So yes. the incentives hasn't been there to do good. But if we reintroduce then the incentives to say, you as a prosecutor, you as an investigator, if you do this, then this is the incentive for you. Instead, what they're getting is victimization. Sure. Where which, which breaks yes, down morale. Which yeah. breaks down morale and then they are cast offs and then they are attacked left, right and center. And they end up then resigning to the private sector. Let me ask you at home, yes. 011-883-0702, is our constitution perhaps too ideal, idealistic? Does it perhaps need a little more practicality to it? Like, for example, real punishment and real incentives. Give me a call. You remember there was a time yes. when, Calvin, uh, not too long ago, where a lot of comrades used to say, yeah, it's cold outside. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you remember? Yeah. Because it's cold outside of the ANC. And the that was called for, we are eating, you are hungry. Yeah. Yeah, and also you won't enjoy the the, the protection the of, 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 the protection, of being yeah. close to to the largesse. The, yes. Yeah. So 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 perhaps perhaps Paul and Nell are hitting it on the nail to say that we have sold ourselves a lie as South Africans, and that where true expression of the human nature is to be found is in those political parties, who say, "Listen, join us, be part of us. We will incentivize you." But then, of course, they incentivize outside of the ambit of the law. And that, of course, is what we then call corruption. But maybe they are on to something in that they've got a clearer understanding of how to mechanically drive the human spirit such that it produces what they want. Comment? Indeed, our constitution was, is too idealistic. I think it's based on how we manage the transition from the apartheid government to the new democratic dispensation. Yeah. And in terms of what you just said, there is incentives in belonging to political parties because ultimately they are in government, they get to control access to, rec to resources. So you as a person, you have 27% unemployment, you have a economy that's shrinking, so the opportunities and access to opportunities, they are very much few and they are shrinking unless you are then close to someone who is close to power and that person you will find in a political party. So, so is it perhaps not time for us to start talking about making our constitution a little more practical. I mean, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how our constitution needs to allow for greater independent party political representatives' participation, right? And it appears to me that that is one of those uh, leafs of the practicality that we're looking for, that uh, the idea that we will all be represented by a political party is starting to fade away into the annals of history. What sort of incentives, other than punishment for crime, should we be putting into the architecture of our constitution? I, I think if we can give the ordinary person out there the sort of view that there is punishment for wrongdoing, 
then we can they can when someone does wrong in their communities they can report them instead there's still this culture of protecting each other seeing the other as the enemy and if someone does wrong this person i know this person i grew up with this person i there have to protect that person it's similar with politicians they were together in exile they were together in the struggle so i cannot go against my comrade sure, sure. i have to protect my comrade then in that case your comrade does wrong you have to protect your comrade you can't call your comrade to order you can then say let the law take its course because this person has done wrong but this person is my comrade i there have to protect him and if i don't protect my comrade then my fellow comrades will then turn against me and saying i'm turning against my own paul trotsky comes back on he says respectfully i strongly disagree that the constitution is too idealistic i think it's our ethics which must be fixed ethics is not a practical thing per se we need ideas imagination and appeal for abstraction to guide us like who paul like where Please give me an example. I'd love to have that conversation with you uh, in the next hour of the of the show. I think, I think that Paul is right in a certain in a certain respect, but those ethics that he's talking about should also be reflected in the constitution. Of course, by the incentives and the sanctions of society, um, they should be reflected in there. I think. And maybe we'll open this up for discussion in the next hour. I think the Constitution and the people that wrote it, wrote it, thought we were all Nelson Mandela. <laughs> yeah, I think 25 years on, we are realizing that it was too idealistic. Yeah. It was too colorful. And now you are seeing all this talk about, let's relook at our Constitution. We as a country... Is it practical? Do you think there's, there's a need for the amendment or the augmentation of our of our constitution? Uh, perhaps more augmentation than amendment. I, I, I think we, we really need to look at, us, at ourselves as a society and say that, okay, this constitution is perhaps not the reflection of who we are as a society so then we need to have something that is more aligned calvin thank you very much for joining calvin matlow an advisor at frontline africa advisory talking about an article that he wrote loyalty to factions versus state how do people follow you can touch me uh people can follow us on twitter fa underscore advisory and check our website it's www.frontlineafrica.co.za and all right yes thanks very much calvin really appreciate it let's (laughs) take a break when we come back eyewitness news